A very encouraging start to the 2023 season for our Seattle Seahawks as they go 2-0 now in the preseason, taking down the Dallas Cowboys 22-14 in an impressive team victory that was very much shades of last week against the Minnesota Vikings. All three phases of the football team worked together. Offense, defense, and special teams, everybody did their part. And also like last week, Everywhere from the first stringers down, down to the four stringers all brought some kind of measure of impact. Everybody brought their level of contribution, whatever that may be. And that's what really helped this to be a team victory. And as I said last week, this is so important because this is not happening by happenstance. This is all part of the plan. This is how you want to win football games on into the season. It's not about star power. It isn't about some guy carrying the day with his cape flapping in the wind. It's about everybody doing their part to ultimately build you up to the win like we saw today. And this was one that started off a little bit rough and rugged for our Seahawks to begin things. Not badly, just a little bit tough as the Dallas Cowboys were able to move the ball up the football field a little bit to begin things. They were really hammering into those A-gap runs, really attacking into the middle of the Seahawks defense and the rushing attack, testing it there, a place that many of us are nervous about this upcoming season and wondering if that may be a weakness on the defense as it was a weakness last year. And the defense did okay when it came to stopping the run today. 26 carries for 94 yards overall, so the average yard per carry was down pretty good. When they did get it hemmed up and stopped up, it was done right. When it was loosened and opened up, there were some big runs that were to be had there. It was really, though, the passing attack early on with Cooper Rush, where they were able to get some real good throws up the football field a little bit and get into that Seattle Seahawks secondary. Mike Jackson specifically, who we'll talk about in a second, who kind of struggled a little bit in this game. The defense was able to finally batten down the hatches a little bit. Gino and the boys came out and played pretty proficiently, much like last week there with the first unit. We did have uh, Charles Cross out there. We did have Everyone Lucas. We had Haynes. We had Damian Lewis. We had some of our starters initially out there. Weren't able to create a lot of holes in the rushing attack. Zach Charbonnet did have a nice 29-yarder, which was great, but there wasn't a whole lot besides that in the rushing attack. Gino played pretty proficiently. Five of six, 46 yards. He was only in there for kind of just a short bit. And then they quickly turned it over to Drew Locke. But once Drew Locke came in the game, he uncorked that mighty hose and he turned that spigot on full blast. He was five of six for 119 yards. He made some really impressive throws. He was looking to attack down the football field. It was very, very impressive on his part. It's just sad, unfortunately, that he had a little bit of a dirty hit that he had to sustain in this game. When the defensive end ended up crashing down on his uh, ankle, basically, on a play where you've seen a lot of quarterbacks in recent history get their ACL torn on a play like that. And in fact, the official actually called the flag on the defender for the dirty hit. And that did look like that maybe had them take him out of the game a little earlier than they would have wanted to and giving him a little bit more playing time. But what you wanted to see from Drew Locke today, specifically what I had been wanting to see and, and been hankering for, which was cleaner level of play, less of those turnover-worthy throws or turnover-worthy plays where he's just not on his P's and Q's, he was on it tonight. And the one throw in particular to Jackson Smith and Jigba where Jackson's running a crosser and it almost looks like Jackson then sort of makes the route go vertical. So he just, he sort of turns it off a crosser and he goes vertical with it almost because he could kind of sense there was no safety over the top. And I don't know if that's the way the route was programmed to go or Drew Locke and him just both read it to be that way. But, but Drew was right on that read, put a throw in on just a, in a pinpoint fashion, put it on with some velocity as well. So that once Jackson made the catch, he could then get upfield and get some more yards after the catch. 
I pointed to this last week, and I was seeing Drew Locke do the same thing, especially on that wheel route throw, where he put the ball in a place not only that was accurate, but put the ball with enough oomph there in its accuracy to then let the ball carrier go and do more damage after the catch. Drew was awesome tonight. There's nothing in his game that you can pick, pick apart. He was under control, and he really guided this offense well for the short period of time that indeed he was in there. We also got to see a good amount then of Holton Allers, who then took over really early then for Drew Locke. He was okay, 7 of 13, 61 yards. The kid's got moxie. He's a gamer. He's got those intangibles. You know, whatever is super, superlative you want to apply to the kid, you can apply it to him of those kind of um, sort of, I don't call it you know, try-hard quarterbacks for lack of better term. But he was giving you all he got on the football field, and he made some really, really dynamic throws in his own right in this game. In fact, he had one nine-route throw where I think the receiver just didn't think he had decided early on in his route hall that the ball wasn't going to come his way. And so he just kind of put a haphazard hand out and, and wasn't ready for the ball to come in. And I mean, man, Allers put that ball right on the spot. It was really nice on his part. He's a big part of why you run this game, not just what he was doing with throwing the ball, but of course what he was doing with his legs, seven carries, 42 yards. In addition to that, Allers is looking like a guy that we can feel pretty comfortable with now in that third string role as that guy will that will be your practice squad guy. I'm not saying he's the future here or anything like that, but as another lefty over here, speaking for this lefty, he gets my stamp of approval. Uh, as far as running backs go, you did have Zach Charbonnet with that one run. He had a couple other runs that didn't go for much, but there wasn't anything really to be had there as far as uh, holes go. Sadodrick, said Roderick Thompson Jr., let me pronounce his name right, had a really Really good day. And this kid is very impressive from what I saw from him. Not saying he's going to make the roster. Don't think he makes it over the top of Kenny McIntosh. Another guy likely to go to the practice squad. But he had one run in particular where you had a third down play. It's a draw. And Seattle's running a delayed draw here. And it was just perfectly timed up where the quarterback didn't get the ball into the running back too fast there. Allers let the play kind of settle for a second and then gave it to the running back. Let the defense drop into their coverage thinking it's pass. And then he just did a tremendous job of sidewinding his way up the football field. He had a couple, he had a one point where he got lateral twice to break two straight tackles on the back of a baby stiff arm as Marshawn Lynch would term it. And then still got up the field to get the first down, almost taking bounce to make it even a, a huge play. But uh, Thompson was very impressive, ran really hard today. Um, uh, just a player to kind of keep an eye on probably, especially as we go into this third game, as I'm guessing he's going to get a good amount of touches and carries within that as well. Um, Receiving-wise, Jackson Smith and Jigba continues to show you why the hype is real. I keep telling you guys, I'm not trying to sell it low. I'm not trying to oversell it. I'm not a hype guy in this respect of things. I've not seen a rookie getting this much praise, this much hype, having this many cut-ups of, of tape and just looking this impressive at any bit of action you watch on him as I have seen of Jackson Smith and Jigba. He has been absolutely tremendous in that respect. And the fact that he's doing this much and making this much noise right now, yeah, we're in the internet age. Yeah, we're in the age of everybody getting hyped up, whether they earn it or not. But this is also real. And this kid's going to come in and he's going to make an impact from day one to some degree on this team. And he's going to help you win football games in 2023 and on into the future. Get hyped for what this kid's going to bring. He is going to be a tough cover out there in the NFL. And don't forget the fact, DK takes cornerback one. Tyler takes cornerback two. Is your third best cornerback as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba? I don't think so. Beyond Jackson Smith, guess who else showed out? That's right, Jake Bobo. Jake Bobo, the UCLA 
Tall, towering wide receiver again went out there and made some big plays happen in this particular football game. Only two catches, but two catches for 43 yards. Continues to look good on special teams in addition to that. And what's really interesting about this is that he again wins on the outside. Many of us, like myself, were thinking this guy would only be potentially a slot guy at the next level because that's what he was used as at UCLA. But indeed, he is showing you now maybe that he can play a little bit more on the outside. Those Joe Jervicious comps that were coming from Steve Smith last week and a couple of other of you out there seem to be more and more apt the more and more we get to watch this kid play. Let's go to where he made his biggest completion of the game where he took the top off the defense on a 28-yarder. He's running a sluggo, a, a slant and go. And what's really fun about this play is let's backwind it a little bit where you have Gino set up there in the pocket in his own end zone, right? Troubled waters. This doesn't look good. And now you got the Cowboys showing Gino a blitz. And when I tell people at times, the reason why I believe Gino's performance from last year is going to be sustainable, repeatable, why he's going to continue to look like a good quarterback is because the way by which he won wasn't luck. The way by which he won wasn't just a magical arm making an impossible throw that he can't replicate. It came from his control at the line of scrimmage, his patience at the line of scrimmage, his control of the protections, his ability to recognize the blitz when it was coming and when it wasn't, and then how to attack the blitz when it was going to come. Gino takes a moment there, Settles everything down, recognizes the blitz coming, gets the protections all called and all on point, makes sure everything is right and correct, and then knows right where he's going to go post-play and attacks that sluggo route over the top. Bobo, this guy that's not supposed to be fast now in back-to-back weeks has gotten over the top. I don't think that this is just by you know mere luck. Maybe the cornerbacks just aren't respecting him. Last week, it wasn't a sluggo route. It was more of a nasty release that ended up getting him free over the top. But this guy getting over the top, this guy getting over the top on the outside now widens his potential you know, ability to where you could see him playing for this team as not just now a slot. Maybe he could play some X. Maybe he could play some Z if you're caught in a pinch to need that. But Bobo playing this well and coming forward like this is a great development for the Seattle Seahawks, especially when we know that Eskridge is going to be out for the first six weeks of the football season. But Bobo continues to be impressive. Tyjon Lindsay, the USFL kid, a, guy, a lot of you guys were very excited about, little jitterbug type of receiver back there. He looked good on a punt return, and then he had three catches that he offered in addition to that. A guy that maybe will be able to start to make a bit of noise here at this receiver room because, unfortunately, Derek Young, coming back off of that abdominal injury, had three targets, no catches. There was one throw from Geno early on in this game where Geno seemed to have really kind of put it in on the right spot. It was going to be a tough catch. It's an NFL catch. It's out away from your body. It's got some heat on it. But Derek didn't really even make much of a, a chance if he barely got a hand on it almost, is the way I guess I'd put it. And so he had a couple of moments in this game were tough, especially when on the other end of it, you're watching Jake Bobo and Tyjon Lindsay or even Cody Thompson on a 32-yarder getting open and uh, making some noise happen. But uh, offense, overall good today. Uh, obviously, if you had a little bit more, I think, of Drew Locke running in this game, you probably end up putting up more points in this game than if you had to run with Allers for basically two and a half quarters of it like you did, especially with how hot a hand as Drew Locke seemed to have. When it comes to defensively in this game, there was a lot of names that popped. First and foremost, we got to talk about this guy because, again, he just put up a, a very similar performance to what he showed last week, and that's Boye Mafe. 
once again looking dominant as a run defender and then looking very active as a pass rusher to the point where it almost feels like every play he's in there as a pass rusher, he's disturbing the quarterback to some respect. He's credited with two passes defensed in this game, but that's just simply because he's getting his hand basically in there and knocking the quarterback's hand just as the guy's getting the ball out of his hand. Almost, almost two sacks, in addition to then also being great against the run. I mean, this guy is going to round himself into potentially being, let's just say this year, probably a, maybe I'm thinking too big, but a top 12 edge run defender. We'll see where he gets his pass rush and where that goes, but simply just that alone is what he's bringing. He wasn't in for a lot of snaps today, but he's looking more and more closer to a guy who might be on a trajectory a pathway to being one of the better edges in this sport. Not the best, not a star, not a Miles Garrett type. Don't go to TJ Watt, but what if we go down to the level below that? Where's the level below that? Where does that, and he seems like a guy who might be rounding into that kind of shape. It's going to be hard, hard for Daryl Taylor this year to get a lot of snaps on this football team with the way this edge group is looking at the moment. Another guy, in addition to that edge group, who looked maybe the best of any of the edges in this was Ty Reek Smith, a guy many of you might not be as aware out there, sixth round pick from the Seattle Seahawks last year, a guy that was one of the uh, league leaders in NCAA the year he came out of Ohio State in pressures, not heavy sack numbers, but, but his pressure rate was fantastic, which is a great predictor for future pro success, even more so than using a sack metric for these college players. And Ohio State in that final year, he was really good in that aspect. And if you go and look into what they looked at him as Ohio State, He was viewed for a time there as going to be the next in that lineage of really good pass rushers that have come through there. Your Bosa brothers, your Chase Youngs. Many thought he was going to be the next guy in there, and he just never quite ascended to that place. He came last year kind of as a forgotten man because that draft was as strong as it was, but this is a guy who's got some natural talent to him, and we're talking about the fifth edge on this team. I think he's likely to make this team, but eight tackles. One sack, two tackles for loss, and an additional quarterback hit. He was uh, all over the place on the field this week. It's great to see PFF was knocking him a little bit last week in his play, and I thought that that didn't match to my eye test of him because I thought he played a lot better in that first game as well. I just The production was there this week, but that, that didn't mean that he didn't play to me good last week, which he did, and it was good to see him standing out um, and, and showing out as he did here. Derek Hall got his first sack of the year too. And what I love about what Derek Hall has done in the first two weeks here of the year in preseason is it matches right to my evaluation personally of what I saw this kid, which just means my evaluation was right, which isn't to give me cuckoos, but kudos, but cuckoos, kudos, but it's to actually say, yeah, no, instead though, in being right, it means that we're going to get this production. I thought we could get immediately from him as a pass rusher. And what I mean by that is that there were three base moves that when you went back to look at Auburn of Hall of what he went to first, Bull rush. He's just going to take you up and I'm bigger, I'm stronger than you as this tackle and I'm going to run you into the backfield. Not a lot of tackles could do much about that at times because he was just about stronger than everybody he went against, even in the SEC. His next go-to move was the long arm bull rush. Now I'm going to, if I catch you getting too balanced, I'm going to hit you to one shoulder, walk you back in there, disengage off the block, go make the sack. And then the third was the counter inside where he would jab step to the outside and then hard press it to the inside and just be so quick and explosive and have a tackle. Then he's catching oversetting that then he'd have a pathway to the quarterback. Last week, you got to see the counter inside. Two times he was able to get pressure by getting inside and showing that snap that he has. Today, 
you got to see the long arm bull rush. Long arm bull rush goes up, gets around the edge, disengages and goes and makes the sack. KJ Wright thought that he, the Derek Hall could potentially be the defensive rookie of the year this year. That's how much he thought of him after watching him on the practice field. Don't think KJ's gassing us up. I think this kid's going to be good. He has really come on in camp over the last probably three weeks or so once they got the pads on, which is not hard to understand because he is so strong and violent with those heavy hands and heavy with those hands and so hard to deal with once he starts getting physical with you a little bit. But another edge, we're just talking about all these good edges. Haven't even gotten to the Chen and Wosus who barely played in this game. The edges are looking very, very strong for the Seahawks. Miles Adams was able to come back and have a little bit more of a bounce back game from last week. He was okay against the run last week, but didn't give you a lot of pass rush. Was able to actually supply a little bit more pass rush this week and still be relatively strong against the run. He had a couple of tackles, had himself a sack as well on kind of a hustle sack, if you were. Um, Jacob Sykes came back and played pretty good as well in this game again on his side of it. Didn't flash a ton, but looked solid. And now let's get over to the corners. Because this is the part we want to talk about as well, because Mike Jackson is going to be getting a lot of shade out of this performance where people are going to say, you know, see, Mike's not that good. We need to have Devin Witherspoon out there. What were we thinking? And I just want to hopefully can tap a little bit of the brakes on folks who might be thinking this a little bit. I mean, there's three real main moments that stand out in this game in catches that Mike Jackson gives up on the outside. And I don't think in those moments he was exactly put in a position to have a ton of success in those moments. First one, he's hit on a nine route where he gets beat over the top. They have Jackson aligned and press coverage in this moment, but they don't actually have Mike Jackson press. So now a guy that's not the most fleet of foot is trying to run step for step with his outside receiver, and then he gets beat without any safety help really over the top. I don't know if you're going to really do this as much in games and having this go on. If you're going to bring a guy up to press, you have him press. And if you're going to have a guy come up like that to turn and burn and try to stay up with the receiver, you're going to more have a Witherspoon type of guy who you know can run with that outside receiver. So that first nine route didn't exactly put him with the call in a position for success, which was Mike Jackson. It's normally going to be off coverage where he can then kind of gauge the speed on that and not have that be something that gets exposed as quickly there. The other two catches were on comeback routes that stood out to me. And it looked like on those in those situations, Mike Jackson had a cover three responsibility on the play. And so he's got to first stay deep and then he can come back and rally up. Some guys like Tariq Woolen could do that. I stay deep and then I can rally up and go make a play on the ball. Other guys like Jackson or more, I'm going to stay deep and stay clean on the top, but then I'll come up and make the tackle. So it's not a good play still. I'm not trying to excuse Jackson and his play on this, but this does have a lot of people calling, of course, now for Trey Brown to start over Jackson, if not Witherspoon, because of course, Trey Brown had his first interception here uh, of the year, uh, first interception I think that we've ever had with him here. I don't think he even got a pick when he first played, but he also looked good beyond that. He had a tackle for loss where he really jumped on a a quick route there and and took the guy down. I just, again, want to tap the brakes because what we want to make our evaluation on with Mike Jackson is what he's done this whole entire point through the offseason, mini camp, training camp, and now through the preseason games and let the coaches kind of decide on that. We don't want to make it off of just one game where he's happened to have a couple of bad moments, especially if we're going to make it in consideration to Trey Brown, who himself last week had his own kind of struggles, right? Gave up the touchdown in the back of the end zone, had a couple of missed tackles. We want to let all the data come through on training camp and let the coaches make that choice and then trust in the coach's decision on that, that it's based off all that data. Kind of like last year with the Geno Smith and the Drew Locke fight that went down to the wire and them saying, we're going with Geno and some people go, no, you just gotta be Drew. And they're going, there's a reason we're making this choice and it's likely to be the smart one. 
Trey coming back and playing well, undercutting that route on the interception was very impressive. I'm hopeful he can push this competition as hot and heavy as possible. Why? Competition is going to breed about the best success. It's going to put the strongest player out there in position to start. It is what's best for the team. It's not always easy. You got to kind of got to hold hold your stones a little bit when these kind of fights are going down. But let it all play out and we'll get the best player out there eventually to make the most impact uh, opposite Tariq Woolen so teams can't just avoid throwing to Tariq's side of the field. Hopefully, we shall see on that side of it. Special teams was really good again in this game. The returns were nice. Your defense on kickoff returns was really good. They're still doing that thing with Myers where they'll kick it down to the two-yard line, have him get some air underneath it, and then you're trying to rally up and tackle him before they get to the 25-yard line. They were able to do that pretty successfully successfully tonight overall. Uh, Myers was looking good on kicks, hit a hit a deep one plus 50 yarder on it. You're, you're just about ready to see, see, this is what happens. We got the special teams completely on lock and then he punched the last kick to the left there at the end on an easier kick, which was tough, but he was still two of three on the day, hit his extra points. Dickinson was still strong. This special teams unit is going to be a top three unit in the NFL. And one of the reasons you're gonna have be helped in winning a lot of football games by their presence and by their strength. I wish I could offer something new today and say that it was something new under the sun in the way you won this game. You did it on trickery. You did it on brilliance. You didn't do it on that. You ran a very vanilla game plan on both sides of the ball. Four-man fronts, not a lot of blitzes. When you did bring the blitz or when you did show the blitz like you did on the Trey, uh, the Trey Brown interception, it brought some results. But the Seahawks, for the most part, weren't showing their hand. The cards were very close to the vest, and understandably so. That's how coaches always used to run it in, in uh, preseason games. That is just your general modus operandi for coaches. Hopefully, they've got some tricks up their sleeve for the regular season, especially once they get back guys that you can utilize in that fashion like a Jamal Adams. But the fact that they can go out there and run pretty vanilla game plans on both sides of the ball through the first two weeks and still come away with the wins just shows the strength of this team, but also shows the depth of this team. Our second stringers, our third stringers are also going to be better than yours on top of our first stringers. What are you going to do about that, NFL? We'll just have to see. My name is Brandon King. This is the Hawks Nest. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe. Beyond all that, don't you ever forget, go Hawks.